pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. This might be college football, We continue here. Alan Kirshner returns to our program. We have spoken to him often in the past. He has written and conversed recently on, does your first staff matter? A lot of attention on Kalen DeBoer. It's worth remembering, as I'm sure Alex knows, that uh, Nick Saban ended up changing his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator did pretty well in the aftermath. Alex, great to have you back. Uh, it's been a while. How are you? And uh, tell us all about uh, your your deep dive into first-year staffs. Yeah, Paul, great to be with you, as always. Pleasure to, to be here. Um, on Split Zone Duo, which is our college football podcast that I do with uh, Richard Johnson, who you know, and with Stephen Godfrey, who you know, uh, I did a bit of a research project this this past week sort of in response to what I think has been a lot of understandable worrying from fans at Alabama and fans at Michigan too, honestly, in, in light of Sharon Moore replacing Jim Harbaugh about the staff building when you follow a legend and about uh, who you hire to be with you in that first year. I think there's, I think it's fair to say that you would know better than anybody, Paul, that there's been some anxiety about particularly whether Kalen DeBoer has hired enough guys who have SEC recruiting shops or enough play calling experience uh, to maintain the standard that Alabama set under Nick Saban, which is obviously going to be a very difficult job. Uh, and what I found was interesting, which was that uh, there are a few coaches who have won national titles in the playoff era and the BCS era as well, who have taken the job, uh, hired a staff full of absolute hitters, rock stars, uh, and won quickly, one in their first couple of years. Urban Meyer did this at both Florida and Ohio State. Uh, this was something that Jim Trestle did at Ohio State as well. Uh, but then there are other situations, and I think Nick Saban is one of them, where uh, Nick Saban's 07 staff at Alabama, the one that is often credited for starting the dynasty because of that 2008 recruiting class with Julio Jones and Dante Hightower and Terrence Cody and who knows how many others uh, came from that staff. Nick actually made pretty big changes. Uh, Kirby Smart came in to replace Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator after one year. Major Applewhite, who had been the offensive coordinator, was back at Texas uh, after a year. And then Jim McElwain was there uh, and around for the first national title that Saban won. Uh, so I think if there's any any lesson from this, it's that there's more than one way to bake a cake. Uh, and sometimes you nail the first coaching staff out of the gate, then you go on and you win national championships. Uh, and sometimes, and I think even in Nick's case, you don't. And you have to adapt. You have to reshuffle. You sometimes have to have to backfill after coaches leave for other jobs if you've, if you've hired too well, almost. Uh, and so there's a lot of different paths that you can take to, to getting the job done. Alex, in, in Saban's case in particular, he had the reputation in his back pocket. He had the national championship. DeBoer has a good reputation but he also has the inevitability of following Saban. So if he swings and misses on his first staff, I realize I'm asking you to get, go down the road, it, it, it does it or does it not complicate things if you have to start making changes? Because he's already lost probably his most valuable assistant, and that's Ryan Grubb, who never even unpacked. Yeah, yeah, right. He was there for, what, three or four days. Um, 
It's an interesting question. Uh, you know, we have seen coaches win national championships after whiffing pretty big in the first couple of years. I mean, Ed Orgeron hired Matt Canada at LSU in 2018 in his first year in Baton Rouge as the, the permanent head coach after he'd been the interim. And that was a complete disaster. You know, the, it, it was as bad as it could have possibly been. Uh, the next year, Steve Ensminger handles the offense. And then it even took another year, a third year, to bring in Joe Brady to kind of work with Ensminger and help unlock everything that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson became in that 2019 team that will be remembered forever as maybe probably definitely really the best offense that the sport's ever seen. So, yeah, I think you can mess it up and fix it, but obviously it's a little bit easier if you if you never mess it up in the first place. As you were doing your, your study, uh, I'm, I'm curious what else you learned uh, in relation to other schools and, and how, did, how did the mistakes get rectified? Uh, I think the simplest lesson that I learned is that it used to be easier uh, to slide in and build quickly before there was a transfer portal. Um, and, and when you could just take over a program that had a lot of talent, hire good assistance, and win quickly. Uh, Larry Coker at Miami, 2001, probably the best example of this. Pick your favorite future All-Pro Hall of Famer who was on that team. Uh, and then think about that compared to what Alabama is experiencing right now with Kalen DeBoer. Uh, Larry Coker didn't have to worry about Ed Reed hitting the transfer portal as Kalen DeBoer did with Caleb Downs hitting the transfer portal and going to Ohio State. Uh, Larry Coker didn't have to worry about Ken Dorsey, his quarterback, rolling out of town. Uh, he didn't have to worry about Jonathan Vilma or Brian McKinney or Antro Roll or Sean Taylor leaving. And, you know, that is a significant change in dynamic that has come about just in the last few years. And I think that's where it starts to become a bit of apples and oranges comparing, you know, what these guys have to do now when they take new jobs to what their predecessors uh, at other blue blood programs did. Uh, and, and that sticks with you. It's just like how much more challenging it has gotten to slide into one of these jobs. We're talking to Alex Kirshner. Uh, so many interesting things. Alex, I, if I could ask you something, we just got through talking to Heather Dinich. This, you know, we, we finally got to a 12 team playoff. They're already talking about 14. Uh, how do you uh, how, how do you respond to where college football is right now uh, on that particular issue? Allowing automatic qualifiers for the big school, the big leagues, and then even two for the ACC and the Big Twelve. It's gotten a bit exhausting. I think it's it's hard to keep up and hard to feel really invested in it. Uh, I like the idea of 12 teams. I think that it's going to be a good tournament, a good format. It, it just, the word that comes to mind is exhausting that we're already doing another news cycle of whether this might change before it even takes effect. Uh, and uh, it just kind of makes you wonder at, at what point certain administrators in certain conferences, I think particularly the Big Ten and the SEC, will, will be satisfied here. Uh this uh, this notion that there might be more than one auto bid per certain conferences uh, is to me such an unfortunate, bizarre thing to have the entire sport in limbo over again, months after the last time. Uh, when in point of fact, if you're the Big Ten, you're the SEC, you're probably going to get more than one team into this tournament every single year anyway. Uh, in fact, almost certainly. And if you go back through through recent years of 
uh, of playoff rankings and you go, you know, you build it out to 12, you build it out to 14, you're going to have multiple participants from those leagues every single year. Uh, I would just like it if, it if everyone would sort of get off the pot and be satisfied with what seems to be a pretty good resolution for 12 teams and let everyone get on with their day and see how this thing works before you go about trying to uproot it. And Alex, it seems pretty obvious to me what, what this is about. It's, it's not so much about the big, the big guys getting uh, more of their schools. It's about paying for it uh, with the sole rights holder. I know you've done a deep dive into uh, media recently. Uh, I, I know I'm kind of off, your, off the subject of where you went, but I mean, can there be any other explanation? I, it's hard for me to speculate, uh, especially to speculate, speculate here on ESPN. I, I think that people understandably have worries about, about TV networks, a couple in particular, ESPN certainly and Fox as well, having significant influence over the competitive shape of the sport. I understand why that makes a lot of people really uneasy, and I think it would be weird if it didn't. Uh, and part of the problem here is that the people who are advocating to you know throw out the 12 and or, or or discussing how they are how they are asking questions about maybe if we should move to 14 have not really articulated a clear competitive competition-based reason why that would be a good idea and so in that absence uh obviously after the last four or five six years uh 10 12 years even of realignment people are going to be a bit suspicious and a bit skeptical about whether this is happening because it's good for the players good for the fans good for the competition or if it's just strictly speaking uh, a short-termist financial move between a couple of conferences and a couple of, of giant media conglomerates. Uh, I, I think it would be hard not to understand wh where those questions come from. Uh, and so if we're not going to settle on 12 teams, then I think it, at the very least that these leaders owe the general public is to explain why this has to happen. Uh, why, why 14 is suddenly better than 12 after you spent three years, Paul, doing the hardest thing that you can do in college sports, which is get 10 or 10 or 11 administrators to agree on something uh, and actually make a deal. Alex, give me a, do me a favor. When, when you get that explanation from those commissioners, would you would you give us a ring? I will do, Paul. I think you might have a better chance of getting it than me, but I'll do my best. Thank you. Alex Kirshner joining us. Always great. Always enjoyable. We uh, head to the break right now. More of your phone calls right after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash paul. That's HIMS.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We're back. Your phone calls are pouring in. I wouldn't say that, but they're coming in. Tanner is up next. Hello, Tanner. Hey, Paul. How you doing? We're doing great. All right, Paul. Uh, you probably know better than I do. How much, how much money does football, NFL, college, XFL, whatever, you know, it's a multi-million, billion-dollar industry? A uh, billion, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. Heather just said the, the new uh, CFP contract is worth $1.3 billion. Okay, so... Well, if as popular as football is, why not give the power, I mean, the group of five, their own playoff? More group of five teams getting more money, they all get to keep for themselves. Yeah, here's a problem, Tanner. Who, who would watch it? Well, I mean, the Birmingham Stallions got fans coming to see them. No, I understand. I figured, oh. And I don't want to say that there wouldn't be an audience, but you, the audience for... A group of five playoff would be about twenty times less than yes the regular time. I agree, but I also agree. I just don't think they belong. No, they, they don't. don't belong. They, they, nobody wants to say that. Uh, I mean, I, I I said something like that the other day in an interview, and all you know, the Tulane coach came after me, and all these other uh, and, and good for them. Uh, they don't. They do not belong. Let's quit sugarcoating it. But unfortunately, yeah. they have a voice because they have a, they're, they're grandfathered in because college athletics is this collegial organization, which is one reason why the NCAA is on life support right now. Yeah. Well, Paul, uh, I agree with you 100 percent. I agree with you on most 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 topics. But, uh, Paul, why got you on the line? Uh, do you uh, you catch Nate Oates in the. The boys in Crimson last night. Uh, I sure did. That was a, an, an impressive game. Yeah, it was. It was. They 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 got a habit of doing that though, getting down and coming back. And well, they are on the road. That's not that's not the yeah. easiest uh, circumstance. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm just. I guess I'm a little too critical sometimes of my team. But uh, what? Well, what well the we only thing I would do? say is, remember, I mean, they're playing a team last night on their home court, which is a good home court who is on the absolute on the bubble, bubble yeah. and a loss to Alabama, the difference between a win and a loss very likely means going or not going to the tournament. You're right. They, they were getting there. That's an athletic group. Ole Miss is, I mean, they, they got some studs. on. No, they, 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 they play. I mean, they, you know, their, their schedule is a little bit uh, out of whack because they didn't play anybody in the preseason, but uh, they, had, they had a gaudy record, which is now not so gaudy. Yeah. Well, Paul, what what do we have to do? Because I, I'm I really I think Nate Oates is the best coach Alabama basketball has had in a long time, and maybe one of amongst the best in the entire nation. Well, he might be the best. Yeah, he very well may be the best coach Alabama's ever had. Yes, I agree, I, and I know we've had some good ones, you know. But I, I'm just I'm terrified that if 
we're going to lose him. And I don't know what we have to do. Uh, we've been talking about it. I've heard it talked about for years now. What has to happen well, to get uh, them to Well, first of all, I think, I think Alabama has arena. done everything it can uh, with their current circumstances. He's paid a lot of money. Uh, I'm sure last year that whole episode with Brandon Miller and, and, and all the other players was a very difficult, frightening thing for him. The school did stand mm-hmm. behind him. But here's the problem. Uh, as, as much as you can prop up Coleman Coliseum and repaint it and re-duct tape it, yeah. it's still an old facility. Uh, my grandparents saw Elvis there yeah. live in 71. Yeah, time, no. It's time. It's, it's time. But, but here's the problem. Uh, because, of, because of football right now and because of all the money going into NIL, you know it better than I do. And... I don't have any doubt that Nate Oates is going to be sought after. And, and there's a couple of big jobs yeah. you, you better worry about, especially from where he used to live in, in, in Michigan. That's going, yeah. I mean, Tom Izzo is pretty much at the end of the road. Uh, there, there are a lot of other big jobs that may come open. And I frankly yeah. believe Nate Oates will be taken away. Yeah, well, I, I, hope, I hope you're wrong about that. Word around town is... You know his his daughters really love it here. Everybody at does. American Christian Academy. He he's a big fan of you know Gulf Shores, Alabama, Orange Beach, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, I think he likes it here. But you know how many times? How long does the man have to wait for that new arena? And well, I well, well, Tanner. Football. The problem is, I mean, it, it's impossible to do do any better than he's done, uh, considering. No, exactly. and, and and I, I I'm not. I mean, I I've actually, I know Nate Oates' agent. I've spoken to him before. Uh, he's a guy that's going to get a lot of big offers. And it's just, you know, you have to weigh all those things uh, with the future. And as much as Alabama fans love basketball, and they do, uh, it's, a, it's a very underrated basketball school, you'll, you'll see Saturday night uh, why it's one of the most exciting places. It's still a terrible facility, and ultimately he will likely leave. Uh, Lou Ann is up next. Good afternoon. Hey, Lou Ann. Hey, Paul. I'm uh, going to shift gears with you a little bit, minute, staying on the basketball, but uh, talk a little bit about women. Okay. Um, Caitlin Clark, how phenomenal she is. I right. mean, gosh, just to watch her and to shoot, and she's smooth. But I want to step back in time. I played at the College of Charleston from 1970 to 1974, and you will know the lady very well who recruited me, Joan Cronin. Of course, I know Joan, or knew Joan. Yes, you do. You know her very well. And uh, during that time, there was a school called Francis Marion College. Francis Marion was coached by Sylvia Ryan at that point, who is Sylvia Ryan Hatchell now, who ended her career at North Carolina. Well, there was a young lady that we got to play against, and I got to coach her on an, I mean, uh, excuse me, guard her on an occasion. She was a 5'7 guard from Francis Marion College, and her name was Pearl Moore. Pearl Moore and her career scored 4,061 points. Now, back then, we were the Association for Intercollegiate Athletic for Women, and she was also a Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer. A bunch of big-name schools kind of moved from the NCAA in the early 1980s, and then there was an antitrust lawsuit, and the AIAW was dissolved. And so, therefore, we all came into the NCAA. So, with that being said, 
Pearl Moore actually owns the record, which is 45 years old, of the 4,061 points. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Luann, you still there? Yes, sir. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm listening to every word you're saying. Yeah, so um, there was a couple of things back then when uh, we played. And uh, I guess you can probably count on your fingers and toes how old we are now. But we also used the large basketball. We had no three-point line. And, uh, of course, women now are much bigger and much stronger and much faster than we are. And I'm certainly not going to take anything away from where we were then. But facilities are better. Training techniques are better. But I just thought along that would be a very interesting um, tidbit of history for our listeners on the show. It is, and, and Luann, thank you for sharing it. Thank you very, very much. Great to uh, catch up. Let's check in with Michael, who is up next. Hey, Michael. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Good. Hey, Randy. Hey, Randy. Hey, Michael. Come on, Randy, wake up. Oh. Uh, Randy's over there watching uh, Andy Gr- the Andy Griffith show. First of all, Paul, play is up for... Uh, Legendary coach Mike Argo. I know that Rick Cawley, uh, your friend Rick Cawley, uh, he put out a thing on Facebook about him. So players up for him. Yeah. But uh, to get to my question, uh, do you think uh, Stephen Paul will replace his father? As the open head basketball coach? Well, I think that's uh, right now that's what uh, Bruce Pearl wants to happen. <laughs> I have no idea whether uh, they'll, they'll elevate Stephen. I know uh, I, I've dealt with a lot of fathers and sons before, and there, there comes a point where, where often the father takes his eye off what he's supposed to be doing every day to make sure that the son gets elevated. It's, it's not always a good situation. I don't know the situation at Auburn, whether uh Stephen Pearl is, is the is the heir apparent or not but certainly uh the father wants him to be we'll take a short break we are coming back right after this you're listening to the Paul Feinbaum show podcast welcome you back as uh, we continue here on a Thursday and Vance is up next how are you Vance Good, Paul. Hope you're doing well today. We are. Thank you. 
uh, I don't believe that I'm a great sleuthsayer, if that's even pronouncing it correctly by any means, but isn't all this stuff about the, I mean, I personally believe that the four team playoff in its inception was mostly due to the Alabama LSU national championship game. Do you think there's any validity in that? Uh, yeah, there's tremendous validity considering that the head of the CFP at the time, the BCS said on the Friday before the Monday night game that we are not interested in expanding the uh, situation and uh, by the way that was uh that was the, that was the, the bcs national championship game in 2011 they went into a meeting on tuesday morning and approved the expansion yeah yeah i think my memory the game was so bad it was it was an absolutely terrible game it was 21 nothing nothing i believe lsu lost and it put everyone yeah to sleep. but there was one thing paul there's one thing really dynamic in it when the first time LSU crossed the 50-yard line midway through the third, third quarter. Yeah, that was, that was a big moment. Clap. Yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was less miles uh, at less miles worst. And the thing is, they were undoubtedly the second-best team in the country. They played everybody from east to west and mauled them. But here's my question. I mean, did, did we not know this, this 14, now 14? I mean, you know they're going to be talking about 16. Don't you believe that? Uh, yeah, I think it really depends. Uh, they're going to find out. Uh, the, the problem with 16 is you end up killing the conference championship games because there has to be some incentive to get a buy. And right now, the, uh, the conference championship games would be the only way. It just seems to me like it really reminds me of the government passing a law and having no idea the ramifications of what's going to happen. Which happens I, every do day. Do you think these people have even really considered the, what, what they're doing? I, it doesn't sound to me like No, no. Uh, well, all the, everyone that goes into this room cares about one thing, and that's their own constituency. So if if the Big 12 commissioner can get two teams in the tournament, he goes, I'm, I'm in, and then the ACC and the domino effect happens. Well, let me ask you this, Paul, because a certain age people I don't think will know who I'm talking about. Do you know who Sonny Barger was? No. He was the head of the Hells Angels. Oh, wow. And if you ever see a picture of him, I man has traded in his Manson costume for Sonny Barker. Looks just like him. Look yeah, it up. I will. Uh, next time I'm in calls, uh, I'm in. He ought to know. He's a big fan of the 60s. Yeah, I would, I would think he would be. Uh, was, uh, <laughs> was, uh, was, uh, was I man at Altamont? <laughs> Wasn't it, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 you, you have to really know your your rock and roll history to to, to catch that one. Yeah, the the, uh, the Jim Jim Brandes. That's where the black guy got stabbed by one of the Hell's Angels in the Gimme Shelter concert. Yeah, that was uh, the Hell's Angels uh, were brought in, I think, for security, security weren't they? Uh, at a yeah, Stones concert a at Altamont Speedway, and it turned into a riot. It was a brilliant decision, yeah. by the way. But well, you know, when you're when you're I've strung out on uh, coke and 
in, in all kinds of uh, Colombian pot, you're probably not always making the best decisions. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. So let's check in with Felix. Hello, Felix. Hey, Paul. How are you doing today? We are doing great. Thank you for asking. Hey, one thing before I get into my stuff. My name isn't actually Felix, and it's Jim, and I'm from Alabama, and I didn't want to get kind of tied up with Jim. Is that fair By enough? Way, I don't blame you. I mean, I don't think there's too many people, uh, there are too many people in Alabama or anywhere that want to be associated with Jim from Tuscaloosa. Okay, well, fair enough. Now, I was calling in about I-Man, and listen, I-Man's entertaining and this and that, and, uh, but the biggest thing that I don't understand on I-Man is uh, it's always kind of like we're gonna, and if Auburn's gonna be this good in football this year, or they're gonna be good in basketball, though actually they are pretty good in basketball this year and everything. Yeah, and right. I just, you know, how do you think Auburn's going to do in this next football season? Right now, uh, I would think uh, they're looking at. An eight and four season. Okay, and and I'm kind of thinking that too, or whatever. Who do you think their quarterback is going to be, or does that really make that big? Well, difference? I mean, it always matters. And Peyton Thorn, uh, Thorn is the heir apparent, but I mean, there's still some. I think Therese talked about it yesterday that there's certainly uh, some serious competition. Hey, thank you very much for the call. Great to hear from you. And how about Joe in Augusta, Georgia? Hello, Joe. Hey, Paul, thanks for taking my call. First time thank caller. You. I really want to, I want to thank Randy for the five bucks he Venmo me for the call. I'm going to put it in a box. Thanks, Randy. And send it to uh, the gentleman in New Jersey, or in uh, Missouri, so John. double his contributions to get a new basketball coach at Missouri. So I, I give thousands of dollars. My question, thousands of dollars. Thousands. Of, tens of dollars. Tens of yeah, dollars. Tens of dollars. And I have Paul. a seat on the seventh row. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Where I usually exactly. sit after I sell uh, my cokes and popcorn, <laughs> are, are the programs too, right? That I'm sure he's <laughs> buying. Um, I, you know, my only thing was, in a serious note, I wanted to talk just for a second about unintended consequences of this whole, you know, forming a union thing and then becoming employees. I mean, Paul, don't you think that the uh, the fact that it would become an employee is going to put the whole thing in a different light, and the fact of such as scholarships. Now, would they not be considered compensation to the uh, uh, to the scholar athlete? So he'd have to pay taxes on that scholarship. And think about you know you know and I know that they get you know they get stuff from Nike or whatever school Under Armour whatever. Would that not be taxable sure. income? Yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, I mean, you're they're they're going to be taxed just like the two of us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it puts them in a different. I, I mean. And the thing is, most of those programs, you know, the programs, football makes money. We all know that. But most of those programs do not make money. And if you're talking about mid-level schools like Northern Illinois, et cetera, how are they going to have the money to pay these guys to do something? I mean, it can only be a nominal fee, it seems to me, and that, you know, it's going to be eaten up by all these other things they're going to get into. It's going to be these unintended consequences that these middle-level schools would be getting into with, with the situation, the, the athlete won't be as taken care of as well as he thinks he's going to be taken care of. Now, one thing I've learned about college athletics that very few people ever, ever think about, 
the unintended consequences. Let's take a short break here. We have a lot to do. Uh, we'll, we'll go out west, get the view of the new uh, CFP proposal from what's left of the Pac-12. Yes, they still have a vote, amazingly. Alyssa joins us in the final hour, and your phone calls are, are around the corner. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Uh, great to have all of you here. And Catherine is up next uh, in Florida. Hello, Catherine. Hi, Paul. Uh, you know, when I usually call, I try to be positive, but I want to tell you, after listening yesterday to your show and then some of the segments recently, it's really sad the abuse that you take from these some of these callers. I mean, they're so disrespectful, not only in the the subject but in the language that they use. And uh, I mean, like yesterday to listen to Jim from Tuscaloosa and I Man Legend. I mean, I don't know. I, I it just really bothered me after the show was over yesterday, and uh, you know. I would say that most of the callers call in because, it, you know, it's a fun show, it's a, a learning show, and it's about sports. But uh, they, they um, I don't know, it's like a soap opera as the world turns or something every day with them to see who can outdo the other and uh, being ugly. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but... Um, it, it, it's, I mean, I know they have a right, but still, I, I just hate that how they treat you and treat each other, really. Well, Catherine, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, this is this show's different, and uh, I think ultimately uh, we inc- we encourage people to to be themselves. We don't want uh, a politically correct show, do we? No. We want people just to just kind of let their hair down if they have it. This is uh, where you come to forget your troubles. <laughs> and, and as far as, as, far as the, the criticism of me, uh, that, that's just part of what we do here. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect. The fact that uh, Jim from Tuscaloosa you know, criticized me just only, only makes me feel better about myself. Let's, uh, let's go to Jay next in Huntsville. Hello, Jay. Hi, Paul. How are you? We are great. Thank you for asking. Uh, really enjoy your show. Uh, I don't get to listen quite like I used to, change jobs. But anyway, I was listening last Thursday, and uh, after I listened to a few callers, I, I started getting a little aggravated and a little upset. And then after about an hour, I just, you know, it, it became comical and, and kind of made my day that, uh, you know, so you never know what you're going to get on the Fine Bomb show. Uh, that lady that was talking about being disrespectful and all that. Uh, it, it, it is comical after a while if you just, uh, uh, if you just stay well, with I th- it. I think uh, what she said is interesting uh, and accurate. It is like a soap opera. Uh, but that's 
what we want. We're, we're not looking for, this is not Sunday morning church. And no, it's not cookie cutter. By no, the way. And, and, and by the way, uh, there are plenty of shows like that. Uh, and good for them. Uh, people can, everybody can run their own show. Hey, listen, I appreciate what you said. Uh, I do have a serious sports question. Okay. Uh, it, it's about the NIL and, and of course, the the way things are going. But if uh, is there a certain limit? I, I know on incoming freshmen, there's a certain limit of scholarships that a school can give. But if somebody were to leave, uh, and we we somebody recruited from another school, is there a certain amount of scholarship? Yeah, there, there's a, it's a, there's a, there, there, what you call that is essentially roster management. That's an NFL phrase, but that's exactly, you have to balance it. It's complicated, but ultimately uh, you, you have to keep it within a certain number. John is up next in St. Louis. Hello, Paul. John. How you doing today? John, well, thank you doing fine well i uh the reason i thought we needed to talk this afternoon paul is because in our prior discussions i had the impression you really don't know everything i know and it's very difficult for you to be making judgments on what i call in about on things that i thought well let me let me talk here. Let me give you overall first, Paul, is that I think there's no doubt you have some challenges with callers. And I, I just think that uh, the issue with the favoritism and who calls into the show and the dialogue, it's very apparent to me that uh, the plan you have in place, Paul, is it's a it's a plan that's already been uh, hey john let me interrupt you because yeah. first of all you're full yeah. of it okay no i'm Every, not everyone full. is treated the same on this show you just have some insecurity complex that that makes you think you're being persecuted when you get as much time if more than anyone well paul i know if you want to use that word that's your right well, that's, that's a by the way that was a well, benevolent phrase to describe you Paul, you have a, Paul, quote, unquote, you have a cancer growing on your show. Do you know that? Why don't you, you uh, as my resident oncologist, why don't you explain, okay? Well, Paul, what I'm explaining is you have people who are essentially subverting your show with their dialogue. Yeah, no one more you, than you. If you, if, if you would try to concentrate, what, what is the title of your show, sir? It's supposed to be called the SEC Network. No, it's right right next to my name. It says the Paul Feinbaum Show. Okay, and the the focus of your show, Paul Feinbaum, is to cover the SEC. Well, that is that is correct. I mean, we are we are broadcast that going on these days, Paul. Really, you have all of these people calling up in your show. And talking, talking about Richard talk. Richard E. Nixon is that right? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, I was paraphrasing something that I was, uh, you know, making an analogy between what Mr. Nixon talked about and the content of your show. Which, John, do which, you realize you are the only person that calls in this show that thinks we are subverting the truth and are playing favorites? 
Only well, you, John. Think he... Only okay, John uh, E. Nixon from St. Louis. Well, don't you think there, you need to have someone that calls in that at least questions what you're talking John, about? Did, did we, John, did we appoint, show, did we appoint you the ombudsman of this program? Would you like that job? Well, I think I'd be fair, Paul, and I don't think you're fair. Okay? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.